So Milo, I heard you have some Russian bullshit. Yeah, so uh, I was doing a I was doing a preview of my new my new show last night. Shout outs to all the trash boys who came along. And uh, as a result, I posted about it on my Instagram, and I was getting some Instagram messages from some uh, some Russian fans. And uh, one <laughs> one guy sent me a lot of really bizarre messages, including some jokes that he had thought up. But the most bizarre part of the message was that he said something along the lines of like. Oh, uh, what is it? What is it you speak over there? Were you speaking English or American? He's like, to be honest, I don't really know what the difference is. <laughs> I was like, those famous languages, English and American. Hello again, and welcome to your free episode of TF for the week. My name is Riley, as it has always been. You may remember me from every previous episode of this podcast. I'm joined in studio by Milo. It's me, your boy, speaking English and American. Olga. Hi, I'm Olga. I'm so sorry I slept with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and calling in all the way from Columbus, uh, we have Brian Quimby, one of the uh, co-hosts of Street Fight, the number one anarcho-comedy uh, show on every station across the nation. Brian, how you doing? Hi, how are you? How did I do the did I do the intro to your podcast well? Well, see, here's the thing: I can't do it, so I would have to yeah. refer. I will have Brett listen and grade you as soon as as soon as this comes out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see how I did in the street fight. Uh, if I end up battered and bruised, or if I ended up victorious, I will say that you're I mean, probably the 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 the, um, the only other person I know that can really do it well is uh, Will Meneker from from Chapo Trap House because he's done it. He's the only other person that's done it. I can't do it at all. I like don't I don't know how I make my living doing radio because I can't do radio very well. <laughs> See I mean to be fair, we stopped doing the intro to this podcast because Riley couldn't say it right. <laughs> it's hard. It's really so. people think like, oh well, you know, that's probably the easy part because you're just repeating the same thing every week. But like Brett does the Brett like Brett does that for two minutes at the beginning of every show, and you're I just sit there and stare at. Well, I look at my phone now. We've been doing it for eight <laughs> years, but I used to just sit there and stare at. I'm like, holy shit! I like that looks hard to do what you're doing there. <laughs> you can remember two minutes of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, the problem with with mine is ours was a bit of a, a tongue twister, and so I'd always I would always stumble over one of the words, um, and then I would just completely fuck it up, and then I would comment on the fact that I'd fucked it up, and then it came to the point where it wasn't even about getting it right anymore. It was about how is it going to be wrong this time, and so now I don't even say the whole name that's of the how show. How I feel about sex? <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I was going to say it's just like politics. It is. It is exactly <laughs> like politics. Um, like damn, sometimes I think maybe maybe uh, politics is just getting it wrong on both sides. Please hire me as a newspaper editor. Uh, all my losses was lessons. Indeed. Here's a CV of how many times I fail. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I have for us today, as per usual, is just a collection of some of the worst elements of our uh, garbage modernity that have sort of hoved into view. Um, Can you stop? I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of which is um, is a startup that is gonna, claims to solve uh, the housing crisis of well America, but presumably uh, the UK were it to expand widely enough. So that's good. It's also funded to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars. And then I kind of wanted to talk about 
the um the British version of the American book Hillbilly Elegy, which is basically the story of why the social conservatism of the working class is a uh, natural, b extant, and c means that we everyone needs to get more racist if you want to be progressive. If you want to be my lover, you've got to get racist. <laughs> Thank you. Indeed, indeed. So, um, let's start uh, with Domuso. Now, this is from uh, Domuso's website. Domuso's full stack payment solution improves property operations and offers residents financial flexibility. Happy property staff and happy residents. Full stack payment solution sounds like something Soldier Boy would have. Absolutely. It does sound that's, very that's... rap. It, it, I, I was like <laughs> reading it and I was like, I, I thought it was just an English thing. And then I read, I, as I read a little bit further, it was like, wait a minute, this is like uh, out of like San Francisco or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's as, as this will become clearer and clearer, this is. But this we'll see. This is this this startup is going to be solving a very San Francisco problem, which is, which is basically what uh, seems to be just around. Um, it's difficult to pay your rent, but not for the reason you might think. Ah, I was just there, uh, and that place is expensive as hell. I could like I I've been to New York and L.A. and like Chicago, and I was shocked by San Francisco. I was like, holy shit. It's outrageous, isn't it? I once paid $10 for a bottle of beer in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, well, we have that all the time here. Yeah. But the, the, uh, I paid uh, $4 into a parking meter to park for an hour. Like it costs Woo. for one hour. Like here in a parking meter, it's $1.20. If you can find one for, mm. for three hours, you can park. And I was like, holy shit. They want me to put $4 and quarters in this thing. So this, this is going to be the price of things podcast now, where me yeah. and Brian just get really angry about how much things cost now. <laughs> Have you even tried to buy a pint of milk recently? I mean, shit, that's what Hillbilly Elegy probably really should have been, is just a guy saying, like, boy, I went to New York and thing, it cost $40 to park my car. And then he's real mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> it cost $40 to park my car. And then there were a bunch of people that looked different. Yeah. Ugh, horrible. <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy is just one of those um, hat comedians that talking in New York about how much they hate L.A., except it's a hat comedian from like the holler talking about how much he hates New York. Yeah. Hate cities. Oh, I hate the goddamn city. Yeah, it's true. They they I mean, you know, it's it, people are always trying to run me over on my bike in London. So I kind of I kind of get that. But at the same time, it Probably seems like a lot in, of enemies. It seems like in most towns, there's nothing to do. Is London, we'll get there. Is, can I ask, like, uh, I, I hate to take you off track already, but no, uh, no, go for it. Is London like in, in, in Columbus, we have bike lanes and we have everything like we have a, like a pretty good infrastructure for biking. But everybody in cars still really fucking hates the people that ride bikes. It's exactly the same here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think everyone in cars hates the people that ride bikes. I think, like, because the thing about London is that, like, a, a large proportion of the streets are, like, a lot of them are just, like, I don't know, like, 50 meters long and two meters wide. Like, they're sort of tiny and old and stupid. But there's also, like, cycle superhighways that are really, really good. There are, yeah. but it's like, it's, so it's like we have some bicycle infrastructure, but also we have some ancient eight-way infra, infra intersections that are, like, full of different kinds of trucks going different ways. So it's, a, it's sometimes Frogger, 
and it's sometimes Gran Turismo, basically. <laughs> yeah, because people like if if I see, I'm not this way anymore. I train myself not to be. But you will see if you watch the person in front of you when a person in a bike is in front of them. Like I've seen, I, they are screaming, they're waving their arms in the air. I've seen people lean their heads out the window and say, "Come on, get out uh, of the fucking way!" And I'm like, Jesus. Ah. Uh. That's, that's, if you go, that's if you go outside London where people are like full insane. I remember I used to like do, I used well, to be on a cycling team. I've never seen a bicycle before, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what is this device? <laughs> um, and uh, we used to like, sometimes you'd be out riding in the countryside and someone would like almost kill you, like driving past you at 70 and give you like a foot of space and would then stop to shout at you. And you're like, no, I was going to shout at you, man. You were the one that almost killed. What's going on here? <laughs> who should be shouting at who exactly? I've seen a lot of those too. I've seen the biker yelling at the dangerous driver and the dangerous driver yelling at the biker those are my favorite fights because they're you know probably both wrong <laughs> it's like oh you could have you might have dented my car with your skull someone should do a podcast about it uh, a street a fight on the streets uh. <laughs> right so uh so domuso uh, over 40 percent of americans are renters and 60 percent live paycheck to paycheck the largest monthly expense for most families is rent, and like clockwork, it's due on the first, late on the third, and notice on the fifth. This I, transaction is inflexible and impersonal. I mean, you're just like, yeah, yeah, this is, you've got it. Mm. That's yeah. right. You've, you've just hit the nail on the head. Correct. You're almost, you're almost got there, baby. Come on. <laughs> I believe in you. Damn. It's, uh, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. There's so... so they say, okay, most are renters, more, more live paycheck to paycheck. It's the biggest possible expense. And it's quite like there are enormous consequences if you don't pay it properly. And they looked at that problem and they were like, I think I've got it. We need to make the transaction smoother. <laughs> well, we mm, need to make money. Lube me up. We need to make money yeah, as always. Obviously. Like with debt, it's always like... If there's somebody that can't afford something, there's always some enterprising capitalist that's like, oh, if they can't afford it, then they'll go into debt and we can make money off of fucking debt. Yo, boy. Well, me and, uh, this whole, yeah, me and Brett right. actually just, uh, I don't know if this is a big company in in the UK. It's called uh, Quick Loans. Is that like, does that ring a bell to you at all? I think it's one of the many payday loan companies. There isn't like a single dominant one. I think there's quite a lot of like... Well, there was Wonga, but then despite the best efforts of James Ball, it closed down or at least went into much lower. Pouring one out for our boy. So on, yeah, so on this week's Street Fight, we actually talked about uh, Quick Loans. As a, it took out an ad on Facebook that was arguing mm. to bring back debtors' prisons. <laughs> oh, I saw that. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. It was a fucking it was the craziest thing about it to me was that it wasn't it was an ad. It wasn't like uh an op-ed in a newspaper or something like that. It was like a sponsored post on Facebook about why we should bring back debtors' prisons. Amazing. Prison. So basically, instead of having most people rent, we have most people incarcerated. Yes. <laughs> Where you don't need to pay rent, problem solved. You're welcome. Well, no, that's wait, what so I call disruption. What's amazing is that they're not even lobbying the government to do this. They're just trying to build like grassroots support <laughs> as if they're going to get like a fucking movement of people taking to the streets going, we want debtors' prison. <laughs> well, and they called it responsible borrowers' justice is actually what it was. <laughs> That's my new Marvel film that I'm writing. 
Oh, fuck. Just imagining the ad like, are you trying, are you having problem paying your rent? We've got a solution for you. Have you tried the Panopticon? <laughs> well, it's like, aren't you tired of watching your neighbor drive around in flashy cars that they can't pay for and you're paying extra on your loans because of them? And it's like, no, nobody even fucking like ties That's that together. That's not a real scenario. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, wait, no, you could totally get a groundswell of support for that in the UK. I was being naive. Yeah. People hate their neighbors so much and they really <laughs> hate people who they think have things that they shouldn't have. Oh, yeah. so There's nothing a British reason? dad hates more. Oh yeah. Well, you know what this is? This is just the this is just the privatized version of the like welfare queens or benefit queens uh thing. Where it's like <laughs> yeah. credit card queen. Yeah, so like, do you hate credit card queens? Throw them in fucking jail. It really she is. is a credit it's like when queen. It's, anyway. it's like that old Fox News graphic that shows like you know, poor people in America have a, fi- a refrigerator and an Xbox usually, and it's like, well, I mean, we think- two genders. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have something. Awesome. Where else do you keep your Xbox, Fox News? So, th- <laughs> <laughs> so this is this. We sort of prefigured what Domuso is actually offering because so far it could just be an app that lets you pay it's your rent. Literally, the plot of uh, Sorry to Bother You. Uh, almost. In, oh wait, the, the debtor's prison or Domuso? The debtor's prison. The debtor's anyway. prison. Please, yeah. Don Muso, I cannot pay my rent. I need a loan. <laughs> um, so Domuso's full stack payment solution goes beyond moving money from A to it's B. It's also a Greek restaurant, but back to the startup. <laughs> <I> t- <laughs> Don, that's, Don, that's Don Musaka. <laughs> different. As, as a modern fintech partner, our vision is to empower people with new payment flexibility and better payment options. COO Michael Lightfoot told him... Ah, no! <laughs> no! Shut it down! Yeah. You know what C- they say about light feet? Light fingers. COO Michael Lightfoot said, Our vision was to incorporate credit in a new way. So we built out a mobile-centric direct lending arm that allows borrowers to pay their rent in installments if they miss a payment, or if a major life event gets in the way of making rent. Like you go to prison. <laughs> yeah. I'm in debtor's prison in the UK. I've got debt in a lot of places. I'm sorry, Michael. <laughs> Uh, so Domuso charges variable interest rates depending on credit checks and data analysis that obviously it definitely doesn't tell you how they calculate that. Mm. I'm sure it's never just the highest one each time. Uh, those rates are in the same ballpark as credit card rates, according to the company. Oh, credit card rates, that famously reasonable rate at which you <laughs> yeah. can borrow that's like 25% <laughs> annual or something. <laughs> Uh, Domuso allows local renters to take out six or 12 month loans at an average annual interest rate of 27% (gasps) to avoid paying late fees to their landlords or risk losing their homes. Wow. How is this legal? Uh, Capitalism. Uh, Yeah, because basically any scam against poor people is legal. (laughs) That's the easiest way to get (laughs) something legal. Is it going to rip off poor people? Oh, shit. Well, let's let's make sure that's out on the market as soon as possible. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like it's like you could just say, yeah, I have a I have I I have a business to make sure that um the wallets of the poor are arranged in an optimal way. So what I'd like to do is get the powers of the of the police to go and search poor people's wallets to inspect them, if you like, to ensure mm. that everything is 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 orderly. And you could almost certainly do that. Hey, motherfuckers, it's Auntie Olga here, uh, and I'm here to tell you. Scam rich people. They have money. I know. I know. But they don't come off of it. They don't come off of it like broke people do. Because I'm a broke person. Based. I I mean, not not as broke as I used to be. But I'm still like kind of paycheck to paycheck. And it's like I fell for every one of these tricks in in my time. (laughs) So like I the only the only like poor persons I did payday advances. 
I did like high interest loans. I did uh, pawn shop. I sold video game systems. The only one I never fell for was rent to own. And that's, I don't know if they do that over there, but it's basically like you can pay like $60 a week for a TV and pay like oh, many times how much it's worth. But is, is not only do we have that over here, it's a company called Brightbox is the most famous. The queen actually is a shareholder in it. No. See Amazing. here, at least the rent to own. I rent my television. <laughs> it works perfectly Remember well. Remember she had that gold piano? Maybe she's on a rent to own plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 20 bucks a week. Yeah, at least at least the people that run the rent to owns here are scuzzy, like Hulk Hogan is like the spokesperson <laughs> for it here. I would love to see the queen pawning that gold piano. Like <laughs> The one thing I've learned, you never know what's going to come through that door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, are you, are you familiar with the gold piano? I did see the gold piano. I saw the picture oh, of the man. gold piano. I don't know how. I, I mean, like, I know there's nothing you can do about it, but I don't know how you're not pulling your hair out every day because there's a queen there. I, I just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm mad every day that Donald Trump is our president. And, and I know there's nothing I can do about it, but I just. I can't imagine looking at that queen living in that that fucking mansion and just being like, "Ah, oh, why? Why are you why are we letting this happen?" <laughs> it seems like it's such an obvious solution to just take it. Yes. Yeah. Also, on a similar note, Donald Trump would totally fall for a rent to own scheme. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got an excellent deal on a piano, okay? <laughs> the Queen of England told me about it. It's going to be fantastic, all right? I'm going to learn to play it. I've trained a dog. The dog is going to help me play the piano. You can ask anyone. You can ask people in Philadelphia. They, they've got dogs, cats, whatever you want. Elephants, actually. Okay, thank you very much. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a... Oh, I mean, awesome. like, it sucks so bad how, sh how like, horrible... Like, the horrible, vile things he's doing. Because if he was just one of those presidents that didn't do anything, he would be great. That's who I would want to be the president, is just a guy oh. that I can make mm. fun of regularly. So remember yeah. there was that president that was only in office for like 28 days, didn't do anything, just famously quietly died of pneumonia because he didn't want to wear a coat giving his inaugural speech because he thought it would make him look feminine? Yeah, I do love that. <laughs> hey, man, you know, white yeah, guys have a thing about coats and shorts and the cold and just <laughs> yeah. it's going to kill us all eventually. <laughs> Oh no! Absolutely, like, absolutely. There is because, like, I was I was standing on a train platform the other day, uh, and I saw a guy. Um, it was in, in our version of the dead of winter, so it was like I don't know, chilly. Um, and so, a, a, and I just saw a guy with a with a long ponytail, wearing just a t shirt and cargo jeans, no coat. Uh, that just said fluent in sarcasm. And I was like, a t-shirt that says fluent in sarcasm is the ultimate thing to wear in winter with no coat. Ponytail, <laughs> five pounds a week. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 it is, um, well, yesterday it was minus 20 here, like with the wind chill and stuff. And Ooh, that's a cold lad. And that's saw, Fahrenheit, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. Fahrenheit. And it's, so that's colder than minus 20 Celsius. Yes, that's true. Shit. And it's, I'm now I'm buried in snow, but luckily, it's going to be 57 degrees Fahrenheit here on Sunday, so oh, <laughs> global Christ. warming. Yo, what the fuck? <laughs> yo, did you, see Ra did you see Rachel Maddow be like, yo, it's really cold. What if the Russians attacked now? Of course. Of did course. she start with yo? That rules, <laughs> She didn't say yo. That rules. So cool. That rules. So awesome. She spent, she's so fun because do you remember when she spent a solid like two years talking about Chris Christie, like closing a bridge? 
for yeah. like, causing oh, yeah. traffic. I was yes. like, Rachel Maddow's show mm. is basically the New-, New Jersey traffic report from two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Ra- Ra- Rachel Rachel Maddow is Lib Brainworms traffic and weather together. <laughs> She's just talking to Johnny Sack going, what, she couldn't get married in Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, though, um, because like, <laughs> it's cool because she like took she's making so like you can make a ton of money as a pundit if you're just willing to ignore every real thing and make stuff (laughs) up every night like you just find a thing because those liberals the 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 people that watch msnbc the truth is they want to hear about russia all day and all night that's it Mm -hmm. i love yeah that's a funny thing that it's like it's actually cold be scared of the thing that is but they're like oh it's cold Russians are attacking. Wait, you just said the thing to actually be scared of the cold. What's cold? They have no fear. They're well no shirt in the, in the cold. Look at this fo- fo- file photo that we've got. They have really. They like have. It's weird because I think that like people who are 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 moving to the left are becoming a lot less patriotic. I mean, I think the country is. I think the United States. I think is sort of starting to like slide slightly more to the left. Like the Overton window is moving to the left, which means that we will get less patriotic because the you know patriotism is fucking stupid and like uh so now they're having to try to figure out a reason why we're less patriotic and the only thing they can come up with is like the russians make these memes and it makes them crazy <laughs> in <hate> america <laughs> they're asking elon musk what he thinks of their technology yeah. <laughs> it's very upsetting to elon musk right so um Steering us slightly back back on course, uh, on, on back on Domuso, critics have said this looks like applying the payday loan model to housing. Uh, critics like us, for example, and like <laughs> people who have read our terms and conditions have said. <laughs> I mean, people in Silicon Valley who wrote that read that same exact sentence sentence were like, "Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so sign cr- me the fuck up." So it's like critics in public and us in private have said that we're applying critics, and also those who have praised us <laughs> have agreed that that's definitely what we're doing. Uh, st- so they 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 wheeled out some Stanford finance professor called Jonathan Burke. Uh, who said the Domuso platform seems like a good thing. The reason is simple. Quote, if you have the loan, then you can stay in the house. Whoa. It's too easy. What a slogan. It's too easy, he said, to look at the interest rates, which are enormously high, and say people are being ripped off, Burke said. But the data shows people tend to use it in cases of emergency. So if they don't use it, things would spiral out of control. See, that's not true, though, because with, with payday advances, so I did payday advances for like three years, four years straight, yeah. just every week I had to go to the payday advance place one night, one day I pay off my loan. The next day I can come back and write another check. And then like I got through that cycle and yes, the first time I did it, it was for an emergency. But then like the next time you do it, it's because that money that you paid back came out of the money that you had to pay like for other things. So you have to write it again and again and again, it like traps you in this cycle of just doing it over and over again. And they fucking know it. And uh, Wait, yeah. you're willing to ignore Brian, are you it. saying that payday loans are bad? There, I Well, you see, now, I always say, like, I would love to, uh, I would love to outlaw them, but I know that had they outlawed them in the time when I was getting them, it would have been fucking devastating to me. Like, I don't even know what you do to get rid of them unless you just offer some sort of a, sh- uh, uh, like, people offer people money to get out of the cycle because it could be pretty devastating to people if you outlawed them i think 
Well, you know what we had, we did in Britain. <laughs> but the payday loans offered by our sponsor certainly don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, well, we we actually did something in Britain uh, where there are several non not profit making lenders. So it's like um, there's a couple called Street UK, Five Lamps. Um, they're all they're basically sort of set up and backed by the government, and it is a non profit making payday loan. So instead of paying thousands of percent interest, you pay, you know. Bank of England, like not Bank of England base rate, but not much more than that. And what it does, it actually, that is how you take people out of that cycle is you offer those services and then you fund them enough so that they're basically being offered as a non loss making social good. It's right. But like so many things, the answer is political, not we need an app. Right. And the laws here, uh, they, uh, the laws in, at least in Columbus, I don't know the laws in the rest of the country. I think they're like wildly different with every city. Uh, there are actually cities here that have outlawed payday loans. So like there's people that don't even know about them that were like surprised about them when me and Brett started talking, what used to talk, we talk about them still. And, uh, the the law there is a law here against them letting you make payments like smaller payments to catch it up because even if you could do that if you could say look i'm trying to get out of this cycle and quit using this thing can i pay smaller payments to catch it up so that i don't have to keep writing a check to do this again they'll say no that's against the law in ohio you you have to pay it all every 2 weeks if so like they've even just made it so much harder to get out of that cycle that it seems like a, like it bums me out because it seems like a problem that is almost impossible to fix and then to do this with your rent which is generally your biggest bill is just that's that's gonna fuck so many people mm. and they he concludes lightfoot concludes with the rental market likely to remain tight and with millennials opting to rent rather than buy <laughs> Uh... <laughs> Lightfoot says the network effects from more widespread adoption will likely make Domuso the future of rent. Did I have I talked on the podcast before about when I was in California over Christmas and uh, we met some people who will remain nameless who were telling us a sob story about how their daughter and her husband had bought a like a three apartment complex in San Francisco for a sum of around two and a half million dollars, which was a discount from the market rate because it had two rent controlled units in it. And they'd managed to evict one of the rent controlled units for renovation, but were really upset that this retired couple who lived in the other uh, rent controlled unit were basically unevictable. And they were like, it's just not fair. We want to live in all three. (laughs) And I'm standing there and I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe your kids are like incredibly rich and should be grateful that they already like have, they own three apartments and have access to two of them and like they don't make violins small enough for the fact that they can't evict a retired couple who definitely could not afford to pay the market rent and who have lived in that flat for 35 years like i've talked to everybody i know in san francisco like all like i you know i hang uh, i met Brace, Belden, Piss Pit Grandad. I know him and and Greg and uh, a few other people. And they all live in like the way that they live in San Francisco is in rent controlled apartments because you you just can't live there unless you're making. Mm. I mean, even the computer people can't really afford to live there now. I have a friend. I have a friend who lives in San who moved to San Francisco from uh, Berlin to work in uh, to work in computing of some kind. Uh, and he lives in a weird sex coven because that's the only place he could find. Oh, <laughs> like, 
Like they have like a bracelet system of red, amber, green all the time. You could have just said sex coven. I feel like the weird was unnecessary. <laughs> and so he lives a in bit a judgmental. He lives okay. in, he lives in a house of like sort of I think ten to twelve people who are but who are all like very sort of you say mindfully polyamorous with one another. So we basically had to mindfully polyamorous. I fucking hate that. I'm sorry. Right? It's terrible. Sex nerds. And so sex nerds are the yes. worst people in the world. <laughs> And Could so, we get an app for that though uh, to organize the polyamory? So he, the thing is, he's not even a sex nerd. It's just it's the only place he can he's find. He's just a nerd. <laughs> right. So now he has to live in a polycule. He lives. Oh, he, shut the fuck. He up. lives with eleven sex nerds though, which sounds like absolute. <laughs> that is my hell. Is like living. Isn't that mm. what Big Bang Theory is about? <laughs> <laughs> Always wearing a bracelet. Oh, God. God. <laughs> the nightmare of even finding yourself around one sex nerd is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> But eleven of them and living with them is has that's oh, got it. He's probably got those swings. What do you think is like the proportion between actually having sex and talking about how monogamy isn't realistic? <laughs> well, I, I I always think like they're they're telling you like what they're in like because I used to hang out with this guy who who he's a total like sex nerd. He was always having orgies at his house. He uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd. Like, every, no, well, every time he went to a party at his house, it would turn into a fucking orgy. And then I would just be like, I am out of here. This is like not <laughs> my kind of just thing. Hey, he care for the to- Tostitos balls. Yeah. And then he he would he would he was at the time he said he was opening up an adult bookstore and that he was going to different wow. video stores and buying like porno movies like in massive like amounts and taking them home and just keeping them at his house and in his living room his living room was full of porno and sex toys and it was the worst and we don't hang out anymore so <laughs> amazing <laughs> good i i want to start an adult bookshop but that only sells stuff like fucking gore vidal and like and then when people come in there and i'm like what you're saying a child could read this <laughs> i think not good day sir you don't sell yes, these if you're into for something kinky thomas pinch <laughs> <laughs> oh man did you say uh, when i read this earlier it struck me that it said that it was a 27% interest rate on these loans. Was that? Did I misread yep. that? Nope. Yep. Nope. That was correct. That was what was written down that I found on the site. They didn't even try to hide it. They were like, yeah, it's 27%. Yeah, because they're they punishing keep saying it to the you. press. Because they feel like yeah. you should be punished for not being able to pay your rent. Yeah. Like they're so basically what they're doing is cutting your rent up into littler pieces that you can pay in smaller pieces, but be constantly in debt and close to eviction is that am i getting that right it seems to mm. be yes but don't forget what that guy uh burke said which is if you have the loan you can stay in the house because you know that's that's the thing is like mm. this is why th- this is why this is a, a real sort of like a thinking to thing where it's like all of these this problem has an obvious solution and their solution has several obvious problems but they've just like like always they've just thought so hard they've turned themselves dumb and they're just thought so hard and come so far anyway yeah so you, you think so hard you turn yourself into a moron um or at least you have you appear like even if you're getting rich because you're you know you you tricked everybody you still have to say dumb shit and mm. so it's like they've clearly just they've there's like yeah of course if you have the loan you can keep the house it never says what happens if you can't pay it well i mean you get kicked out presumably and then all of a sudden, your rent just eats up all of your income. And hey, you know what? You can afford your rent. You know, food, no, but you get skinnier. You don't need as much rent. You don't need as big of a house. 
<laughs> you get evicted and then they repossess all of your stuff as well. So like you're on the street and they're like, I'm afraid this cardboard box is the property of Demuso now. No, it's uh, it's hey, it, pal, it, make no, it is. It's getting Marie Kondo done to you, not asking for her to come and do anything to you. In, in fact, <laughs> does this apartment give you joy? Well, it doesn't matter because it's being taken away. <laughs> I'm gonna organize your house by moving you out of it forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, cool. it, yeah, it it like sounds like um. It sound like rich guys that come up with stuff like this to me always sound as though they're like, you're lucky I'm willing to give you money because you're poor. So you need to just take it because they do. I've I've seen and I don't know if this is honest or whatever, if these people are like on the level, but I have seen payday advance people talk about how great of a service they are to people in in the communities that they're in and you're like no you're not you're fucking taking advantage of a desperate situation every single time but they see it the other way as in like well i'm taking a lot of risk these poor people i mean they can't afford to pay these back and i'm giving them the money and it's like Mm. you i mean you (laughs) that is like that's profiteering so i think a lot of these people convince themselves that they're doing something good or because i can't i can't personally believe that people are that evil i guess (laughs) it's like when the landlords association say like well without landlords where would anyone live yes (laughs) And by the way, <laughs> and in my head, it's just like, let the bodies in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I rent because I want to, but like, I do know that most people I know that rent really want to own something. It's not like they're sitting around being like, boy, mm. I really love renting. It's great. I love not owning the house <laughs> yeah. I'm paying for. Well, also, like, it's a, it's to do with the tenure as well. Like in, in continental Europe, like rental agreements tend to like be very in favor of the tenant. They're like they last like up to a decade. You can like have stability. You can like actually raise a kid and 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 uh, and rent an accommodation there. In Britain, you totally fucking can't because like your 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 rent will go up by like fifty percent year on year, and so you have to move constantly. It's incredibly um, it's horrible. Yeah, a ten year um, lease would fucking rule. Oh my god, yep. I'd never and heard. You of have that. so many rights. <laughs> you have so many rights, like in Germany as well. Like you have tons of rights over your landlord. Yeah, mm-hmm. I pay. I I have. A, I have to re-sign a lease every year, and uh, they raise the rent every single year. There's never been a year where mm-hmm. they didn't raise the rent. They don't do anything it's to like, the house or or work on the house or anything, but they raise the rent like fifty bucks a year. Yeah, that's so cool of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's that it's it's a, it's you know what it is. It's it's a way for you to show your appreciation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, just and it also shows. I'm I'm like one of these lucky people who I rented when the property values were a little lower here, and now they've skyrocketed. And I just know that they would love it if we left. You know, <laughs> so they could charge another thousand dollars a month for the rent, which is that's that's what happened to a lot of people in San Francisco and stuff. In fact, that's a pr- that's a nice segue to our our next segment, uh, where we are going to discuss the hillbilly elegy versus the road to somewhere. Uh, are both my favorite musical. Are, are, <laughs> are both of both of our country's sort of terrible books that are trying to explain the sort of rightward turn in both cases to some kind of general cultural malaise. Um, now, Brian, you said that the. Uh, hillbilly elegy guy actually lives in your town and is one of the people driving up the rents right so the hillbilly elegy guy uh his book is about 
Middletown, Ohio, which I spent some time there when I was a roofer. We were working. I that I sound like such a hillbilly when I say it like that. I was a roofer, and I spent <laughs> a few weeks in Middletown. Middletown is just a. It's sort of a suburb. It's not. It's not a, a hillbilly neighborhood. It's not. It's not like the holler. Okay, like it, yeah. they have a mall there. They have uh, wall. They have every convenience of a city. It's just not a major city and it doesn't have like uh like a hipster neighborhood basically is that like that's <laughs> so like uh but he moved to columbus recently he lives like right in my neighborhood which is not yeah. also hillbilly but the the thing that the thing about hillbilly elegy that sort of that makes me fucking crazy is he's a guy that ended up going to Yale and moving away. And like, he's writing this book as, as a guy that's above the people that lived with him. Like I'm writing about these people, but I couldn't be around them and I left them and I don't like them. You know, it's like in, in the United States, when they write a sitcom, about the Midwest, it's always written by somebody who left the Midwest because they fucking hated it. <laughs> and it's the hillbilly elegy is kind of the same thing. It's a guy saying like, "Oh, look, I grew up around these animals and I studied them, and uh, I know what they think now." Oh, that's, that's why only happens. I can fuck them. Yes, that's what happens if you don't have sex with boys in high school. They go and do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Be women's a slut, fault. Save the world. <laughs> So the, basically, the, the quick the quick overviews. This guy J.D. Vance wrote a book called Hillbilly Elegy that like people like like morons like David Brooks who like like to talk about how you know, high school educated people are afraid of prosciutto or whatever. Um, like these, <laughs> these weird cultural explanations for poverty. Um, J.D. Vance was like, look, here's why the white working class is poor. Because, yeah, they were economically devastated, but they have this hillbilly culture where they like to blame everyone else for their problems. And that meant that when the jobs left, instead of pulling up their pants and learning to code silently, like me, J.D. Vance, except he learned to law, mm. um, he, they, and they basically allowed themselves, to, their families to splinter. So they were, they were absentee parents. They're, that's where the opiate crisis is coming from. That's why these places are basically filling up with deaths of despair. It's because it is, it is these people's fault. But he, all the bits of the, of the white working class that he likes are basically is like, yeah, but... We have to really res we have to respect their religiosity, their nationalism, and their sort of commitment to tradition, more or less. But this They're is all before we had Demuso. <laughs> Can't make the rent on your moonshine still. Well, you know what he is? It's this is it's basically hillbilly elegy is about, and I, this is the second time we've mentioned him in two episodes. Hillbilly elegy is basically a book all about the guys that Michael Hudson posts, more or less. Yeah, well, it's that's actually like. The hillbilly elegy thing seems to me to just be like uh, lower uh, working class, lower middle class people that this guy just doesn't understand, you know, that, that aren't into the same stuff that he's into. So and he thinks he's smarter than them, I think, is, is really yeah. <laughs> what that that book about book is about, because it's he the, I, I don't know the people he's talking about. uh are framing as these like great characters are are really they're the normal ones around here and he's he's the fucking weirdo i guess yeah it's that when i think that there there's this drive to like that that in order to be normal or at least to be accepted as normal by the various sort of you know like elite idiots that make up our culture you have to have all these elite educational pedigrees and you have to 
um, and you have to sort of be like accepted by the media and you have to talk a certain way and so on. And so really what happened is David, someone like David Brooks or like the writers, the National Review, um, they look at someone like J.D. Vance and they're like, ah, finally a normal one. Yes. Finally one, uh, one we can understand. Having a normal one. Yeah. Finally, there's a regular guy. He's this authentic regular guy because he's just not from New York or something. <laughs> it's like, wow, do they really, do they have cars over there? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like when, when Bart Simpson is like, yeah, and then Rand McNally hamburgers eat people and people wear shoes on their feet, on their pants rather. The, the JD in JD Vance actually stands for just doing normal guy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so now what we also have, what I've sort of got us here is uh, what's really I've noticed is the British equivalent. Now, that's from a couple of years ago, but with all of the sort of dumb culture war shit that keeps rearing its head in Britain over whether it's the Fuhrer over Churchill or... The you know, Fuhrer over Churchill. Well, that was an easy <laughs> choice, really. Yeah. Churchill every time. It's a pretty stark... A stark choice there. God damn it. Um, or or stuff about like, ah, they're, it's illegal to be British now. They'll lock you in jail if you're British and so on. <laughs> people, all, no, yo, Brian, people say that actually all the time. It's illegal to be British. You say you're English. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great old Stuart Lee bit about that. The, the, uh, the, the, that's their PC police. We have it too. It's illegal yeah. to be yeah. patriotic over here. It's like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My son went to yeah. my my son uh, got busted because he saw a flag on the ground and he went and held it until it could be disposed of <laughs> properly, and it made him late for class. <laughs> 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 then Kamala Harris came and just machine gunned his yeah. parents. <laughs> Huge. Right, so um, so our version of that is by a guy called David Goodhart, and it's called The Road to Somewhere. Shut the fuck up. Lightfoot? Goodhart? Yeah, there's a real theme in the name. Wait, his this last time. name's Goodhart. Yeah, Goodhart. That's not real. H-A-R-T. That can't possibly but be real. He's the son of a, t- of, a, of a titled Tory um, MP, uh, and then also he's the scion of the Lehman Brothers banking family, and he's going to tell us all about the white working class in Britain. Damn. I, I mean, the Lehman Brothers banking family have done so much <laughs> they, for the world. I mean, that is true. They have done so much. Yeah, yeah. That, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it there. Hi, Not well, to be confused by the <laughs> Lehman stepbrothers. <laughs> uh, uh, produced by <laughs> Lehman Brothers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've made the whole financial system crash. I'm going to have to pro- punish you. Stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. uh, Pepper, if you're listening, make this movie. <laughs> Pepper, I love you. I wanted to tag her into a tweet so badly yesterday. So basically yesterday I was like, porn wouldn't even be possible without woman. And some guy was like, what do you think you know more about porn than me? And I'm like, surely the fucking porn stars in it know more about porn than you, asshole. You probably should have tagged Pepper. Also, also, would just like to say to everyone, when I was 19 years old, I wrote a college paper called Let's Talk About Sex, and it was about how much I loved porn, and I got an A- minus in it. Huge. Nice. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the uh, Olga Koch grades report. <laughs> <laughs> Olga went up to her professor, and she was like, well, I haven't done the paper, but maybe we could come to some other arrangement. <laughs> Socials Foundation's three, baby. What's up? <laughs> no, this is, that's what this is. This is... Um, we decided we are no longer sticking good papers on the fridge up at home. No, what we're doing is we're waiting like what the better part of a decade and then talking about them as as as, as a, uh, on a podcast as a tangent. 
<laughs> That's how we're sharing our pride in our academic work today. Olga's essay is going to be the long read on the bonus episode, so <laughs> tune in for that. Yeah, welcome to. I'm going to do Riley's comedy book club. Olga's essay that she got a good grade on. Perfect. Everyone's going to love it. You know, tomorrow I'm going to record a, col- a comedy book club. I think about the, either the new Mark Fisher book or uh, a book called State of Insecurity. It's going to be very good. Stay tuned. Anyway. So the basic premise of this book is that the key fault line in British politics is between two groups that Goodhart calls the somewheres and the anywheres. And just like all sort of popular political fiction, well, it is sort of a fiction, but popular political writing, it's embarrassingly written uh, and it's completely fucking stupid. And he's leaving out the other key group, the Rotterdams. <laughs> the other key group. niche, no. beautiful South reference for he, anyone. He literally says the other group that is neither a somewhere nor an anywhere are the inbetweeners. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I've seen that show. Can you sue them? <laughs> <laughs> Just guys furiously wanking in a public toilet. Um, so To be fair, they are kind of an outgroup of society. Like You can't really put them in either box. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the somewheres. The somewheres are socially conservative. And by the way, this comes from an article. This, uh, so this summary, some of it comes from an article by Tom Wyman on this book, which we'll link in the description because it's quite good. Socially conservative and communitarian by instinct, somewheres have rooted ascribed identities based on group belonging in particular places. They feel uncomfortable about many aspects of cultural and economic change, such as mass immigration, uh, the reduced status of non-graduate employment, and more fluid gender roles. So yeah, they're they're mad that like people are trans now, basically. Yeah, that- I don't think that even I don't think that's even fluid gender identity. He's talking about fluid gender roles. Well, yeah, that's that's literally like women being able to leave the house. Is we haven't even to. got to the tra- to like them being. If, imagine when the somewhere is here that some people are trans. They're all going to explode. Wait, so they can only be in the house half the time? <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing to me is, and I mean, this may be like a really basic question, but like people keep talking about like how immigration, as if immigration is a new thing. Immigration has been continuous forever. Literally think of any decade in UK history or US history. There's constant immigration during that time. What the fuck are we talking about? Fucking angles out. That's what I say. <laughs> Fucking angles coming over here with your with your like pre-German dialect. <laughs> <laughs> when I walk around my city my city, I want I want to hear a kind of Gaelic language. <laughs> Anywheres, by contrast, are those who could come from anywhere. Footloose are often urban, socially liberal, and university educated. Moreover, for Goodhart, they are always born somewhere and then move anywhere, but where anywhere is almost overwhelmingly is Dr. Seuss? London. <laughs> no, you know what he is? He's fascist Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Essentially. Where it's like it's- I think fascist Dr. Seuss was Dr. Joseph Mengele. <laughs> oh no. Oh goodness. Um, right, so that's kind, me the lie. That's kind of what where we are with with him. That he basically thinks that um, there are some that we that there is these there are people who are rooted in place, and then there are people who went to university and aren't rooted in place anymore. And that what we need to and that our politics have been defined by the anywhere types for so long that the somewhere types are sort of rearing their heads back, and they're getting so mad that like. Um, there are people who aren't speaking English or who look a little bit different that they're going to do fascism. But we have to respect them more so they don't. This book is so bad that it's almost impossible to, d- to discuss because, like, the, the sentences you have to say to explain things that he says in the book are, like, maddening Dr. Seuss shit. Like, Olga is saying, like, well, if you're born in somewhere, but then you go somewhere else and then you become an anywhere and the anywheres are always born somewhere, but the somewheres never go anywhere because they're somewheres. 
<laughs> but it's also the in-between. <laughs> <laughs> Just like there are three types of people. People who stay where they're born, people who move, and hermaphrodites. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, this is, uh, I have a few sort of choice quotes from various reviews, articles he's written, and so on. Little, little snippets. Um, that's David Goodhart on himself. Uh, I became an old Etonian Marxist uh, in my late teens and early 20s. Yes, how ridiculous, especially as my disaffection was probably triggered less by empathy for the wretched of the earth uh, than by the setback of failing to reclaim my place on the cricket team after getting ill. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... Hashtag relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, they did. Well, they, what you never learn about Stalin is that back in Georgia, he was actually on a very successful cricket team but <laughs> after a short illness. <laughs> right. So, um, this is this is something I sort of noticed. I actually I notice it in U.S. journalists as well who are trying to cover the the left needs to get more racist bit because that's basically what the thesis is here. Um, is that they always say, "Ah, oh, I used to think like you. I used to be a, I used to be a leftist myself." And then he's like, yes, I went to Eton and I was angry that I didn't get onto the cricket team. So I read Karl Marx. <laughs> the ultimate rebellion. Karl Marx hated cricket. <laughs> <laughs> it, was too it was too complicated. It was a bourgeois affectation. He was a speed skating guy. <laughs> so he says, I never felt comfortable as a privileged leftist. The inauthenticity was too stark. Um, maybe perhaps because his, his leftism was rooted in being angry about cricket. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps that's where whence the inauthenticity, dipshit. Wait, sorry, are those kind of people not welcome on the podcast? Because <laughs> I have a lot of angry thoughts about cricket. It's the worst sport ever invented. Yeah, and David Goodhart loved it. Actually, you know, baseball might possibly be worse, but that's that's a low I bar. respect. I respect like the kind of comic book kind of thing where he was like, "I was born into a villain family. Why was I pretending to be anything else? If my parents were villains, I'm a villain too." <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the subject of every like every villain like plotline yeah. in a comic book, isn't it? No, it's like reminds me of that comic book about the Middle Ages. My parents were villains. I'm a villain. Wait, anyway. it's like James Franco in the in Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Wasn't he like best friends with Peter Parker? Yeah, and then he was like, sorry, my dad's a baddie, so now I'm a baddie too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in he started uh, Prospect, a sort of center-left magazine Shout out to of all ideas. the guys who just came uh, to me talking about comic books. What's up? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of them, uh, some of them either came or a lot of them are now probably writing very, very angry tweets being like, oh, comics are supposed to be a safe space for men. <laughs> and then... And me referring to a character as James Franco as opposed to the name of the character, I think really turned everyone oh, off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, gonna, she's just going to get her boobs all over them. If you're, you're going to deal a massive blow to my masculinity, at least have the decency to say bam or pal afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> or Don Vito. Uh, Don Vito thinks he's enjoying a comic book, but actually it's just Olga masturbating. <laughs> I have no idea oh, no. what that's a reference to. Uh, <laughs> Viva la bam, keep up. Okay. Yeah. So in 2004, Good Steve Goodhart wrote an essay <laughs> about the tension, what he called the tension between diversity and solidarity, based on what he thought was the uncontroversial assumption that people are readier to share societal wealth with people with whom they think they have something in common. Instead, I met with the intolerance of the modern left for the first time. Subsequently, I've grown used to being accused of racism, even by my own children. Nice. Your kids hate you. That's always the, the best place to be. That's how you know you're right, is when your kids hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this is like endemic on like British reactionary journalists. Because like, yeah, Goodhart's one of our like 15% of our, our country that's a columnist, um, which, is, which is something that Felix always points out. Britain's all columnists. Um, but we, uh, that they all are hated by their kids. 
all uh, every single one of these people has a column where at some point he talks about how like their kids hate them one person wrote into a a, a a letter for advice into the spectator which is like our main reactionary newspaper um that they have an old a, a neighbor who's a delightful old raconteur who loves to do impressions of other races as a party trick no! and that is and that how do we make our children be respectful <laughs> I love calling that a party trick as though like everyone's like, how does he do that? <laughs> Were you in the circus, sir? Because I... <laughs> All columnists, uh, kids hate them apart from Giles Corrin because Giles Corrin's daughter loves him almost as much as she loves Lord World One. <laughs> yeah. And Giles oh, yeah. Corrin is busy hating other kids, which is how, oh, yeah. it, how it balances out. Giles <laughs> Corrin is going to like uh, like burn you and then fuck you yeah, if that's, you're a child. Again, a thing that this guy actually once wrote, which is insane. Our columnists are all mad just in case all of our listeners didn't already know that they're all completely insane yeah maybe we should stop making them all do laudanum all day long <laughs> i mean this conservatism basically all of the, the at least in my experience is like the, people hate their grandparents now that that's just yeah. the way it is at least here especially with trump since trump was elected it, like kids just hate their grandparents because they're horrible and like it, ju it just stands to reason that if you're a conservative your kids are gonna fucking hate you because you're you're stupid <laughs> yeah it's uh it's, it's it's that the the either it's your grandparents your and your grandkids hate you or you're a grandpa a grandkid and you're acting like grandparents yes and so you're wearing mm. like blazers and bow ties all the time and telling people to google venezuela and saying that it's you hate saying that you hate your generation that is that's the most pathetic thing that i think oh, i see boy. is when uh. millennials are like oh fucking oh i wish i was born in in a baby boomer it's like why they fucking suck yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Do you did you want to turn a hose on civil rights protesters? Like, why do you want to be born then, you dumbass? Oh wait, this but that political opinion is literally just a YouTube comment. It's like going on like the full album video for Dark Side of the Moon on YouTube and commenting, "I'm 12 and I think this music is the best music ever made. I was born in the wrong generation." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I could, I'd invite Invader Rock twice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if John Bolton gets his way, we probably will. So, what creates anywheres? Um, the UK university system is what David Goodhart really blames here. He says that the UK system means that going to a decent university means moving away from your hometown, uh, usually to university, and then usually to London. And so you're likely to have few, if any, non-graduate close friends. University also confirms a kind of social status in which liberal attitudes, support for economic and cultural openness and equality of most kinds, are part of the ethos differentiating anywhere students from the mass of somewheres. And that this has gone on to define our political culture with things like the Human Rights Act and then uh, gay marriage, like legalizing gay marriage. Damn, it's almost as though progressive opinions are more common among people that know things. It must be a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's literally like, oh, everyone who isn't a dumbass disagrees with me, and there must be a conspiracy behind this. <laughs> But even then, it's like he just assumes that like going to university like necessarily makes you more progressive. And sure, maybe it does. But like all of the people who are like charging our country headfirst into fascism all did PPE at Oxford. And a lot of the people who are resisting our, our country's charge headfirst into fascism just like spent their like teens and early 20s in like trade union movements and stuff. And so I think what he's really done, it, what Goodhart's doing here is he's basically do, 
he's basically read a bunch of like daily mail columns about how like universities are making it illegal to like be vegan because it's cultural appropriation from India. So then you don't know what you're mad at anymore or whatever. And he's just written that into something that's book length. Yeah. Essentially. That's I mean, it's the it's that's how you get that book money. You you got to stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, dude, you've got sweeping generalizations. Hell yeah. Yo, we can't be fucking with Goodhart's money right now. A short book or a very long tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's the name of the book? uh, The Road to Somewhere. So basically, the other thing to remember, right, is a lot of Britain really fucking sucks. Like, it's not unreasonable to want to leave it. No. It's like genuinely most of it really bad. Not good at all. Yeah. That's Mm. what I, I feel like because... Because I often say this, fully half the audience of this podcast is American. I feel like a lot of what we do is try to convince them that Britain is mostly bad. Yeah, people don't realize like how eight mile a lot of Britain is, at least in aesthetic, <laughs> if not in like literal violence. Like literally lots of people live in caravan parks. Yeah. There's like swathes of Essex that are just caravan parks. Like it's terrible. Yeah. And it's, 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 there's grinding poverty everywhere. And that's like, Olga, earlier you were like, None of these, like none of these, are problems that these people have are caused by the things that they think are wrong. It's like, yeah, it's been immigration forever, but mm, it's interesting. It's only really been a huge problem since Britain had to start dealing with its like post-colonial malaise. It's like, or and then it only really ramped up into the psychotic levels of problem when Britain started dismantling its entire society in the 1980s and 90s. It's like, ah, interesting. It's almost as though we, it's almost as though we're basically pandering to a kind of game of three card Monty that's been played to get people mad at black and brown people. And now we're saying that you're an elitist if you try to, you know, stop them. Some fucking nonsense. Yeah, I, I always try to explain. I like try to explain it. I, I argue with my father in law a lot when I go over because that's his favorite thing to do is yell at me because he knows I'm a uh, <laughs> he knows I'm a leftist because of the podcast. You know, he know he knows kind of what I do, and uh, the, the the every time he starts yelling about college, where he's like, these people go to college and then they come out these crazy uh you know communists or whatever he thinks they come out as it's like so you don't think that maybe the fact that they spent four years sitting around and like reading about stuff and examining these things might have like just made them made them more thoughtful and made them change their minds it's that they're being brainwashed it's not that they have like done the work they've done the legwork and worked through all this stuff and then discovered in the end like oh this is the right way it's just that they're like waving a watch in front of your face and making you like like in a hypnotism (laughs) thing (laughs) but they come out of colleges in america and i went to an american college is in depth and when you're in that much debt, you're going to become a fucking Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you find out about Don Musa. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, that's the other like element of this, right? Because in, in the UK, if you like graduate university now, thanks to the fucking coalition and to new labor, um, you also come out of university with quite a bit of debt, living in London, a ridiculously expensive place to live. And so Goodhart expects us to believe that... Um, that like if you're that the person sharing like a five room like a five room like like a, a five room flat with six other people um, who's like paying out most of his income in rent to work in like a PR job is while, somehow while there's an orgy in his is room somehow yeah. 
is somehow more privileged than the person who stay who, who stayed in the town and is already like buying a second house at the age of 25 because they just did a job that has good money attached to it like where like instead of attacking base in um inequalities Goodhart is saying that post-liberal politics, actually what they have to do is keep all of these inequalities because you can't change capitalism. You can't change the drain of society out of like the UK's forgotten bits. But what you can do is you can pander to the cultural interests of the guy who's owning two houses by the time he's 25 because he still lives in a smaller town. That's what you can do. Yeah. It's like the same thing we were saying about like that Brexit film portraying like all these like noble, savage, like poor people in these like Essex towns outside London. And like I'm from Essex, and like it's full of people who are rich as fuck. They're just willful philistines. Like they're not like they're not like short on cash. They're like people who have like two ice white Range Rovers with number plates that say like Babe and the Governor. Like <laughs> <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> I have not exaggerated much. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, David Goodhart basically thinks that we need to create a post-liberal politics. Uh, to pander to the somewheres that is going to heal our societies. Because also notice, whenever these conservatives say heal our societies or come together, they always mean do what I say. It mm. always means that. It's, it's, it's what a coincidence. What a coincidence that that's the case. Right. So, they they mean to heal the white people in our societies at the expense of everybody else. Oh, yeah. Mm. So who wants to hear what he has to say about gender roles? Oh, always exciting oh, yeah. to hear these guys talk about gender roles. <laughs> what's that? What's that? The vein between my toes? You want it slammed into you? <laughs> Brownest of the brown liquors. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, uh, among somewheres, the belief that men and women are equal but not identical, and that some sort of gender division of labor in the home and broader society remains popular. Goodhart argues for many more mothers to stay at home and work part-time, reviving the hearth and home tradition, while freeing up jobs for men. Forces including... (laughs) Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I think Olga pretty much got that one right. Olga's new album will be out. (laughs) You heard thank you next. That really really slaps. I mean, I I want to say this fuck you to them too, because I made my podcast when i was a stay-at-home dad and my wife was going to work so it goes both ways here yeah absolutely that's my dream just become a stay-at-home podcast it fucking rock stay-at-home dad is the number one job in the world i can't recommend it more that's the sexiest thing i've ever heard (laughs) uh goodhart goes on elite elitely elite educated anywhere women have undermined the traditional family God damn it, women. Classic. I mean, just like judging by the amount of DMs that I get, nothing about me has been undermined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also love that like he's playing this game where he's like, well, what if we just like uh, evenly assigned all jobs to like people based on their gender, thereby like inferring what they would be good at based on their gender. But like by that logic, like all blowjobs should be given by men, because if anyone knows what a good blowjob should be like, it's presumably men. Big time. Yeah, exactly. So like what world does he want? To that's live some in? cool. Good. That's some good hard ass logic over there. It's like everyone has to be gay in David Goodhart world. So it's like <laughs> the inherent or contradiction of conservatism. Suck your own dick. Yeah, D- David, David, David Goodhart believes in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and sucking your own dick. <laughs> and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is how you'd have to start to suck your own dick. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just like, no, we need to go back to the 50. Because he, he's like, look, we need to revive the dignity of work. And to do that, we need jobs. And all these dames came and took the jobs. And so now all the men are out at the labor exchange. 
uh, you know, getting drunk and starting fights. And yo, then we have our big city elite baristas who are all calling them racist. So that's why we have a resurging fascism in our society. Well, it's the a thing that you and I were talking about before the podcast is just like there's these sweeping generalizations and these statements that constantly get said that feel true but aren't. There's no data behind them. There's no evidence behind them, but they just feel true. Yeah. So like you mm. come out and you're like, I'm not allowed to be British anymore. There's no evidence for that statement, but it just feels true. Yeah, well, it's it's that it's a they. Because I saw a trans person on TV, and I feel like I can't be British anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm trans nationality. Yeah. Well, it's like it's it's the thing where it's you always say like when you, when you're coming from a position of extreme privilege, then equalizing the playing field feels like an attack. Right. That's exactly. the part. That's the title of my porno. Yeah. Coming from a position of extreme privilege. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yo, Milo got put on a pedestal. But that's the other thing, right? Like it's. He, Goodhart has to like go into this insane, bizarre revision to the '50s vision of gender roles because we can't just say, "Well, we should raise wages, or we should decouple thriving from work, or we should just have council housing again." He's like, "Nope, all of that stuff is immutable. So we need to reshape humans to fit into whatever it needs." And as far as I'm concerned, that means like that women should be in the kitchen. What you need to understand, see, is that people just want to grease back their hair and wear the jackets and drive hot rods <laughs> with flames on the side. And you can't do that anymore. <laughs> what are you, some kind of wise guy? Um, do, do you want to hear what he has to say about, um, about uh, race? Oh, oh my, yeah. yes. Does it involve hot rods? <laughs> I'm sure we can find a way to work it in. An emotionally mature liberalism, because that's what he's talking about. He says we need to pander to people's emotions and their feelings of nationalism and stuff. Mm. An emotionally mature liberalism must also accept that, get ready, everybody, white majorities in Western societies have ethnic attachments too and an interest in a degree of demographic stability. It's not shameful or racist for people to feel uncomfortable if their neighborhood changes too rapidly. What? Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck I mean, what, you! Fuck what you! Is fuck the, you! Uh, what? What is the solution to that? Like, just not let people move? You know, like I think, I think his solution actually is don't say if 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 someone says, "Oh, I don't I don't want black people living next to me." His solution is like. You can't call them racist. You have to understand they have legitimate concerns. <laughs> he wants to bring back those signs that say no Irish. It's, he wants, you know what it is? He wants to give every racist a participation trophy. And like, it's, it's, it, everyone's like, oh, society's gotten too soft. But David Goodhart's like, yes, society has gotten too soft, except on the racists. Yeah. Society's been thumbing it in for years. <laughs> Also, he just reworded racism. He he isn't. He was like, it's not racism, and then he defined racism. Yeah. <laughs> he really did. He did say like, you know, you got to understand, white people love to live around white people, and they don't like anybody that's not white to live around them. That's not racism, though. That's just human nature. I guess. Mm. <laughs> so that's just what that's that's what it is. He's like, no, don't. It's not. It's not racist. It's just prejudice yeah. based on <laughs> race. <laughs> Oh my god! And also, like look, we that, just don't like that damn jazz music, okay? <laughs> that's the, and that's the other thing: an emotionally mature liberalism. What the fuck does that mean? I mean, answers on a postcard. I have this thing also that just in my mind where it's like these guys all think that calling a person racist that's being racist is going to destroy them and make them a, a fucking conservative. When in my mind, it's like. 
I were I know working class white working class people is like who I grew up around and who I am and I know that they can handle being called racist if they're being racist they're not gonna like wilt from it you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like it's also, it's because these people think that racism is a personal insult that's used by elite baristas to make you feel small because you're just a working class landlord who owns five properties in your like town outside of Bristol. Elite tier one baristas. What is it, an oxymoron, which I find very interesting, that like it, within their circles, being racist isn't bad, yet they still get offended when they're called racist, oh, because which I for think them, is so interesting. For them, racism means rude. Racism means mm. you used a bad word, basically. Yeah, because like there's that weird thing, particularly in British society, where like everyone understands that like racism means a like a racist is a bad person, but most people don't understand what what racism actually is, and so therefore when someone calls them a racist, they're like that's bad. They just think they're being called an asshole, which they are, but like <laughs> they don't they don't they're like no no I just don't like black people. I'm not a racist. <laughs> oh yeah, so that's and this. And this is kind of where I, this is where, why the reason I saw parallels between this, this, this book and Hillbilly Elegy, even though they're doing two different things, one's blaming the white working class, one's valorizing it, both of what they're doing is they're inventing this thing called the white working class that's monolithic and should be praised for its social conservatism, uh, and, but that has been failed by generations of sort of, um, of liberal politicians and that sort the last one's sort of true they have been but economically and people like vance and goodhart think it's been cultural that we've been that we've failed to live up to their social conservatism basically the white working class is that big stone from 2001 a space odyssey (laughs) (laughs) essentially so that's that but that's where i kind of see the similarity between these two books Mm -hmm. and what they're both based even though it seems like they're doing the opposite thing they're kind of doing the same thing for me well, we sure have heard a lot of words on this week's Trash Future from somewheres, nowheres, anywheres, Don Musso, and what it would be like if your wife stopped sucking your dick and you had to suck your own dick. It was fascinating. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> yes. I have to go back to sitting with my child while freeing up this space for a man. Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh, God rest right. his soul. Hussein um, <laughs> is actually Olga's husband. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that about does us for time today. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Hell yeah. It's been a pleasure. Um, so we have a live show coming up on the 21st of February. (laughs) We sure do. We sure do. (laughs) We sure do. It's uh, with Josie Long at the Star of Kings. The Eventbrite link is in the description. And also, as ever, we have a Patreon. Uh, it's $5 a month for a second episode. Uh, per week, which you can mm. subscribe to should you be so interested in doing so. Also, if you like your Josie Long early and often, on the 13th of February, it's another smoke comedy, uh, which be hosted by me. Headlining is Josie Long, and uh, also performing are other people <laughs> whose names I've unfortunately forgotten, but I'm sure their lineup is very good because I did the lineup and I always do good lineups. So tickets are £5. Eventbrite link will be in the description. You can read the full lineup there. Uh, can you please come see my Edinburgh Award-nominated show on tour currently? Find the dates on Twitter. And also my new show about computers and love at Vault Festival, March 6th and 7th. Thank you. Unfortunately, Olga's tour will be done in absentia because she'll be at home with the child. <laughs> <laughs> so a male comedian could come talk about computers and love. <laughs> I'm reading this statement on behalf of Olga Khan. <laughs> um, finally, uh, you can commodify your descent with a t-shirt from Lil Comrade. Maybe get I'm not racist butt on it. 
Um, and finally, 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 we have mugs, and we also uh, our theme song is "Here We Go." Can we it tell, is let Brian by Jin Sang and no. yes, oh yeah, actually that's that's true, Brian. Uh, before I do the, the the last things, do you want do you want to plug anything? Uh, I'll be in Texas in March and New York in April. There you go. <laughs> Keep an eye out. We <laughs> haven't announced the dates yet, but we're doing a Texas tour and a Northeast tour in the next two months. Initially, yeah. that sounded like it wasn't a show, but you were just going to be there. <laughs> like, if you want to track me down, yeah. buy Brian some goddamn parking. Come find me in Texas. <laughs> Find find him. Brian would be somewhere in Texas. Use this geocaching app to find him. It's a scavenger hunt. Are you a bad enough dude to save Brian? Um, Yes. And you can also uh, buy a t-shirt from Lil Comrade or you can listen to our theme tune. It's called Here We Go. It's on Spotify. It's by Ginseng. It's extremely good. Mm. So with that said, thank you again, Brian, for coming on uh, from, uh, from Street Fight, which you should all listen to. And otherwise, thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening. And good night to all. Good night.